Welcome listeners, but take heed, we will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. Before we begin, please be aware, we have a tendency to swear. You have been warned, make no mistake, so join us now, we're For Fox Sake. Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and I'm really confused right now because Carly, the Hufflepuff to my left, is wearing a Ravenclaw sweatshirt. It's my husband's. He said it's the equivalent of me wearing his Letterman jacket. Yeah, that's pretty much what that is. We're steady now. Aw, you're so cute. But anyways, let's fly into the Phoenix flashback. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 3, Will and Won't, and the film scenes that don't really correspond at all. Harry shows us that he's not a Ravenclaw when he forgets to tell his aunt and uncle that a magical guest was coming. Dumbledore terrorizes the satchels of assholes with compliments and shows them a little magic. The movie leaves us feeling unfulfilled with the lack of the Dursleys, yet a little comforted by the cute waitress flirting with Harry. During episode 198, Peace Out, Yo, Albus Dumbledore, our Potter pondering was, what are your thoughts on the movie giving us a cute waitress instead of the Dursleys? Hey, Ellen. Hey, Carly. Jackson here with my Potter pondering for this week. Huh. You know, I didn't mind the little bit of flirtation with that waitress. It was actually really sweet. It was good. But I don't know. I still would have much preferred to see the interaction, Vernon gaping at Dumbledore at, at a wizard in his house and oh, and the accidental rudeness, accidental. <laughs> oh, it just would have been awesome to see that. I didn't mind the flirtation, it was nice, but I just would have preferred the actual scene. Hi, this is Jessica calling in my Potter pondering for this week and I'm not gonna lie. I do not like the scene. I can kind of see how maybe it wouldn't have been so bad if they hadn't completely replaced the scene of Dumbledore picking Harry up from the Dursleys, but really it makes no sense. Why is Harry wandering around alone, especially now that everyone knows Voldemort is back? All this bad stuff is happening, wizards and muggles are being murdered, and yet Harry is just at a random underground diner? And does reading the Daily Prophet not count as exposing magic to muggles because the girl saw the pictures moving? So that also doesn't make sense that he would be reading that in a muggle diner. And of course, the scene's not even of him trying to flirt awkwardly while he knows, like, Mad-Eye or Tonks are at a different table because they're following him for his own prediction, and then we'll definitely tease him about it later. Like, that would make more sense. But this is the start of them trying to turn this movie into some weird rom-com. Like, did they think they had to compete with Twilight or something? So they made up this weird scene to add more romance. As if the whole book wasn't filled with it and they left most of it out or changed it. Instead of the satisfying scene of Dumbledore messing with the Dursleys, they're totally cut out of the movie entirely. And everything that that scene entailed, this bothers me. This really does. I, I, don't, I don't like the change at all. Yeah, I suppose it would be better if they didn't cut out Dumbledore's scene to have that, but still, it wouldn't make sense. Like, I don't see how, like, either way it makes sense. 
because why is he just wandering around alone? I don't know. Bye. Thomas said, I didn't like it for the reasons pointed out in the episode that the idea of Harry being in some diner alone in the midst of a war is irresponsible even for Harry. I get wanting to show Harry growing up and flirting, but we have no clue how old the waitress was and the idea of a possibly 20-something woman telling a 16-year-old she will go out with him is irresponsible on the filmmaker's part. It would have been better had Harry been looking out of his bedroom window waiting for Dumbledore when neighbors across the street drive home and the teenage daughter notices him, giggles, causing him to wake up, and they find themselves waving at each other. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, what is the new name they've been calling Buckbeak? They've been calling him Witherwings. Congratulations goes to Jessica Wallace and Kalista Whitewolf. Yay! It's a tie because Jessica posted it on Facebook and Kalista posted it on Podbean at pretty much the same time. So they just both get the win. This puts Kalista at four weeks in a row, but with Jessica tying her this week, will she be able to hold on to that streak for much longer? You never know. For now, let's dive into the second half of Chapter 3, Will and Won't, and more film scenes that barely correspond. Chapter 3, Will and Won't, Part 2. Harry sits down in the remaining armchair, avoiding looking at the Dursleys, who seem stunned into silence. Dumbledore says that he would assume they were going to offer him refreshment, but the evidence so far suggests that would be optimistic to the point of foolishness. He twitches his wand for a third time and causes a dusty bottle and five glasses to appear in midair. The bottle tips and pours a honey-colored liquid in the glasses, which then float to each person in the room. Dumbledore catches his glass and raises it to Harry, informing them that it is Madame Rosmerda's finest oak-matured mead. Harry catches his own glass and sips it. The Dursleys glance at one another and try to ignore their glasses which is rather difficult as they keep nudging the sides of their heads. Dumbledore turns to Harry and brings up a difficulty that he can help the Order of the Phoenix solve. He mentions that Sirius's will was discovered the previous week, and he left everything to Harry. For the most part, it is fairly straightforward, but there is a problematic part to the legacy. Before he can go into detail, Uncle Vernon asks about his godfather being dead. Dumbledore confirms this, then returns to the problem, telling Harry that Sirius left him number 12 Grimmauld Place. Harry tells him that they can keep using it as headquarters because he doesn't want it, but, though Dumbledore calls that generous, he also explains that they temporarily vacated the building. When Harry asks why, he informs him that Black family tradition decrees that the house was handed down the direct line, to the next male with the name of Black. Sirius was the last of the males in the Black family line, and though it is clear he wanted the house to go to Harry, it is possible there is a spell or enchantment in place to ensure it could only be owned by purebloods. Harry pictures the portrait of Sirius's mother and states that he bets there is. Dumbledore agrees and continues, saying if such an enchantment exists, then the ownership of the house would likely go to Bellatrix Lestrange. 
Harry springs to his feet, saying no, as he is outraged at the idea of Sirius's killer inheriting his house. Dumbledore concurs that they don't want her to have it either, and states that it is possible Bellatrix could arrive there any moment. Harry asks how they're going to find out if he's allowed to own it, and Dumbledore says there is fortunately a simple test. Before he can administer it, however, Vernon shouts for him to get the glasses off of them. Dumbledore politely apologizes and uses his wand to make the glasses vanish, but also points out that it would have been better manners to drink it. Vernon looks ready to burst with unpleasant retorts, but sinks quietly back onto the couch, allowing Dumbledore to return to the test. He explains to Harry that, with the house, he also inherited Creature. He flicks his wand again and the house elf appears in the room, causing Petunia to shriek and Vernon to yell, What the hell is that? The little elf is also yelling, repeating Creature won't, and insisting that he belongs to Miss Bellatrix and the Blacks, and doesn't want to go with the Potter brat. Dumbledore describes Creature's protest as a reluctance to pass into his ownership, and Harry says he doesn't care because he doesn't want him either. Dumbledore reminds Harry that he can't pass into the ownership of Bellatrix Lestrange since he lived at the headquarters of the Order of the Phoenix for the past year, then asks Harry to give him an order. That way they will know if he has to obey or not. Harry can't think of anything else to say but to tell Creature to shut up, and the elf immediately silences, unable to speak any more. He throws himself onto the ground. He throws himself on the ground in a violent but otherwise silent tantrum, and Dumbledore is relieved that Harry is the rightful owner of Number Twelve Grimmauld Place and of Creature. Harry doesn't want to keep the elf with him so the headmaster suggests he send him to Hogwarts to work in the kitchens. Harry feels relieved at this suggestion and tells Creature to go to Hogwarts and work in the kitchens with the other house elves. Creature gives Harry a look of loathing from the floor and vanishes with a crack. Dumbledore then brings up the matter of Buckbeak, who has been staying with Hagrid since Sirius died, but since he belongs to Harry now, he can make other arrangements if he likes. Harry immediately says Buckbeak can stay with Hagrid, and Dumbledore says Hagrid will be delighted, also mentioning that they renamed him Witherwings, so no one realizes he is the same hippogriff that was once sentenced to death, even though that is unlikely. He then asks Harry if he's all packed, and Harry hesitates. Dumbledore realizes that he was doubtful he would turn up, and Harry says he'll just go finish off. It takes him a little over 10 minutes to track down all of his things, but once he does, he makes his way back downstairs, dragging his trunk with one hand and carrying Hedwig's cage with the other. He is disappointed to see that Dumbledore is still in the living room and not waiting for him in the hall. No one is talking, but Dumbledore is humming, apparently at ease. Harry tells him he's ready, and Dumbledore responds, good, but turns back to the Dursleys for one last thing. He mentions that Harry will be coming of age in a year's time, and Petunia speaks up for the first time to contradict him, pointing out that Harry is younger than Dudley, who doesn't turn 18 until the year after next. Dumbledore explains that they come of age at 17 in the Wizarding World, and then reminds them that the wizard called Lord Voldemort has returned. 
He talks about how the wizarding community is in a state of open warfare and Harry is in greater danger now than the day he left him on their doorstep with the letter explaining about his parents' murder and expressing the hope that they would care for him as though he was their own. Dumbledore pauses before continuing, and though his voice remains calm, a chill begins to emanate from him as he tells them they did not do what he asked. They never treated Harry as a son, and he has only known neglect and cruelty at their hands. The best that can be said is that he escaped the appalling damage they afflicted upon the unfortunate boy sitting between them. Uncle Vernon begins to protest that they mistreated Dutters, but Dumbledore silences him with a raised finger. He informs them that the magic he evoked 15 years prior means that Harry has powerful protection while he can still call their house home. That magic will cease to operate the moment he turns 17, and he asks that they allow him to return to the house once more before then to ensure the protection remains until then. None of the Dursleys speak, so Dumbledore stands and tells Harry that it is time they are off. He says a farewell to the Dursleys, and Harry gives a hasty goodbye before following his headmaster to the door, where he had left his drunken owl. Dumbledore pulls out his wand to send the luggage and the birds to the burrow, but tells Harry to keep his invisibility cloak with him just in case. Harry attempts to remove his cloak without letting Dumbledore see the mess within, and once it is safely in his pocket, the old wizard waves his wand and the trunk, cage, and headwig vanish. He then opens the door to the cool, misty darkness and bids Harry to step into the night to pursue that flighty temptress adventure. The movie section starts as Harry's coming down the stairs, where Dumbledore is waiting serenely, still standing in the same spot, but now looking toward the picture that was behind him. Harry approaches and stands next to him, looking at an ad for the perfume. He tells Harry that he's been reckless this summer. Harry insists that he likes running around on trains. It keeps his mind off of things, but then notices the headmaster's blackened hand. Dumbledore holds it up and calls it unpleasant to behold, saying the tale is thrilling if he does say so himself. But now is not the time to tell it. He then offers his arm out and asks Harry to take it. Harry looks over his shoulder as the waitress exits the cafe, looking for him, but Dumbledore insists that he do as he says. Harry sadly looks back at him and reaches for his arm. She was, truthfully, very pretty. Very pretty. I do feel really bad for that waitress. Yeah. Didn't and I even know, get an explanation. I know Harry is, like, feeling bad, one, probably because he wanted to go on a date with her, but two, he doesn't want to be a crappy person. Right. Like... For all, of Harry's fault, for all of Harry's faults, he's not a shitty person. He's not. He's sometimes a little oblivious. Not on the Ron level, but he definitely has his moments. Max, do you think Harry's stupid and mean? <laughs> he definitely can be very angry, but who can blame him for that with everything he's dealt with trauma-wise? Well, he has a chicken wing inside of him. That's what Voldemort looks like when he's dead. Yes. Chicken wing. Definitely the dark meat. Gross. But yeah, I like that's my biggest issue, aside from the fact that we don't get anything here at all that was in the book. There's the slight reference to the previous section that we talked about last week when this is when Harry notices his hand 
Yeah. And he tells him that now is not the time in a slightly different manner. But that is it. And yeah. it technically happened in what we talked about last week. But the way that we had to line this up, it just wouldn't work anywhere else but here. So, yeah. Durr, whereas in the book, we're still at the Dursleys. Who? <laughs> right? It's still this very awkward moment where the Dursleys are completely silenced. They don't know what to say. Harry takes his own seat in the remaining armchair. So he's over by Dumbledore. And I imagine they're kind of facing the sofa. And Dumbledore continues on with his, like, overly polite formal. (laughs) I would assume you were going to offer me refreshment, but evidence so far suggests that would be optimistic to the point of foolishness. And I can't. This is almost like a passive aggressive, but like actually aggressive being like, you're not showing me manners. Like, you guys suck. Manners matter. (laughs) It is the most polite way. To remind them that they're being terrible hosts. Yeah. Never mind the fact that they had no idea he was coming. Not that they would have been hostly towards him otherwise. There is that. Although when the Weasleys were going to show up, he at least put on his best suit. Which could have been... It was to show him that he had money. ...as welcoming. Also, though, to call it 11 p.m. Like, that's kind of late. He had other shit he had to do during the day. Apparently. He had to have a good dinner with Aberforth before he came. Perhaps. (laughs) In lieu of them not offering him refreshments, he just waves his wand again and makes his own refreshments appear. It's described as a dusty bottle, which I find concerning, like dust your beverages. Nobody needs to drink dust. Like, just wipe it down. Well, I mean, like, it's the outside, at least. True. Probably wipes off the top before he takes the top off. Or the cork out. It's mead, so I don't know if you do mead. It could be like the glass plunger type thing. Yeah. That would come in a glass bottle. Like a decanter? Decanter. That was the word I was looking for. Thank you. But there's a specific term for the thingy that goes inside of it, too. I don't know what it's called. A butt plug. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Anyway. Dangerous. Dumbledore is at least polite enough to make five glasses appear so there's one for each of them and i will say that the glasses are not described as dusty so at least there's that well he just conjured them right nothing he uses magic again to have the bottle pour for him and then the glasses float to each person in the room and oh my god how fucking awesome would it have been to (laughs) see this it would have been good however i am concerned Dumbledore is offering an alcoholic beverage to a 17-year-old. Yeah, but it's England. Okay, that doesn't negate the science that your brain is not ready until you're 21. Your brain's not really fully developed until you're 25, but whatever. Well, they don't have the same laws. It's definitely not, like, I think it's It's 18 18 there, too, so. But you're offering my child alcohol? That would definitely be a Vernon response. Possibly. I think so. They don't really drink. Uh, the only time you really see them drink is when they have brandy with Marge. Yeah. So, But it's a lot of brandy for Marge. So I don't know that they have hangups about drinking, really. Maybe not. Get wrecked. <laughs> yeah, why not? But anyway, Dumbledore catches his glass and raises it up to Harry, because he's the only one he really actually cares about, and tells them all that it's Madame Rosmerda's finest oak-matured mead. And the Dursleys are like, who? 
what? <laughs> Who? Harry catches his own glass, takes a sip, and it's described as him never tasting anything like it ever, but enjoying it immensely. That's nice. Which I like mead, so I can imagine. I don't think I've ever had mead. I have, have some have bottles some. upstairs. I will share with you one day. I'll bring it to gaming. Okay. So Harry and Dumbledore are both drinking their mead, and the Dursleys are just like exchanging glances and trying to ignore their glasses. And this is apparently a challenge because the glasses keep nudging the side of their heads. And I will never, never, ever forgive Yates for not giving us this. Hey, I bet we'll get to see it in the show. I sure hope so. This would have been beautiful. And we have been building up to this moment for a while, obviously, as you know, we go through each book. This is inevitably we're going to get to every moment that we want to see and talk about. But we have had several of our patrons and keepers mention in previous ponderings and such how much they wanted to see this scene and how amazing mm -hmm. it would have been. I know Absolutely. Jessica has said something and Zach has said something. It comes up. Yeah. So we are not the only ones. Scene. We don't even get the Dursleys at all. No. In this movie. I would have given them anything that I have to see the satchels of assholes have mead glasses constantly nudge them in the head as they try to ignore them and as Dumbledore politely but passive aggressively talks to them. I love it. It's, it's so beautiful. It's so and we didn't get this because they hate us and they don't want us to be happy, as Katie would say. That's David Yates. Yeah. So while the Dursleys are ignoring these glasses nudging their head, Dumbledore basically starts ignoring the Dursleys and just kind of focuses on Harry and mentions a difficulty that they're having with the Order of the Phoenix, not with them, but as part of them, that he thinks Harry can help solve. And Harry's just like, well, what's that? And this is where we learn that they discovered Sirius's will the previous week, and he'd left everything to Harry, which some of it's very straightforward. It's like, here's this gold. It's already been added to your account, but you also get the house. Query, you have to have a wizard lawyer to do your wizard will. I'm going to say no, but because I think it's like a magical thing. That, yeah. It, yeah. So I think you can do your own magical binding and that makes it hold in place. But I bet there are magical lawyers that specialize in that binding to help people that aren't as good at it. Because Hermione specifically says in Seven that they must have been going over Dumbledore's will. So I would assume those are magical lawyers yes. who are trying to figure out some loopholes, loopholes. that they could get They're not going to find that in Dumbledore's. Oh, absolutely not. And he would not need a magical lawyer. He is a motherfucking magical lawyer. But where was Sirius's will? Like, why did it take them? I guess it hasn't been that long, but it took them some time to find it, it sounds like. A couple weeks, at least. Yeah. So that's interesting. Like, where are you supposed to keep your will? <laughs> I'm sure he kept you, it somewhere. How do you in the adult, house, right? <laughs> I'm sure he kept it somewhere in the in the house. Place. Ugh, that's terrible. That's Maybe where in his he vault. mostly had to stay. Could have been in his vault. That would have been a good idea. Yeah. Anyway, he mentions that there's a problem with the legacy, and before he can say anything, Uncle Vernon finds his voice again and is just uh, like, "His godfather's dead." Terrible. Which way to stab your nephew in the heart, dude? Slightly in their defense, they don't know how close Harry was to him. That's true. Not that I think it's acceptable to yell that out at any point, but I mean... 
I can't really defend them because even if they did know, it's not like they cared. I That's fair. Yeah. But this does seem more like something that a socially inept idiot would say as opposed to somebody trying to be hurtful. Yeah. So I'll give that in his It's just defense. like he was shook and was like, oh, oh, what? I don't have to be worried about this person coming and murdering me. Right. Oh, yeah. Dumbledore just like nonchalantly confirms this, but then returns to the topic at hand, letting Harry know that Sirius left him number 12 Grimmauld Place. And Harry's just like, I don't know what the problem is. Like, you guys can keep using it as headquarters. I don't want, I don't it. want it. And Dumbledore's like, well, that's not the problem. We've actually had to vacate the building because there could be be some kind of magic in place from that family that only allows a pureblood to own it, which you are not. Therein lies the problem. Oh, I thought he specifically said a black family member. He says a pureblood. Oh, mm-hmm. well, Harry, you don't match that criteria. Right, either. <laughs> and the black family tradition decrees that the house was handed down the direct line to the next male with the name of black. But since Sirius was the last, their concern was that... It may be transferred to Bellatrix, right? Yeah, that was but, their concern? Yeah, they're concerned that if there are no male blacks left, that it has to stay with a pure blood. Gotcha. And Harry not being a pure blood or a black family member, he could be prevented from owning it rightfully. Weird. And he thinks about the portrait of Sirius's mother and just well, considering the kind of wizards they are, there's totally probably an enchantment in place that would prevent me from owning it. He's like, I bet there is. And Dumbledore's like, yes, quite. <laughs> I bet they didn't think they would run out of family members because they're very... Incestuous? No. Oh. Narcissistic, I think, is what I was thinking. They're very, like, of course that's never going to happen to me. My family line's not going to die right. out. Well, when you have two boys to carry it on, you wouldn't oh. think... That you would lose both of them. I miss Regulus. Right. I said. I miss both. Yeah. I like both. Uh, but. But like you were saying, and as Dumbledore explains to Harry now, if that enchantment does exist, the next person in line to own the house could potentially be Bellatrix Lestrange. And yes. Harry literally jumps to his feet as he exclaims no, because the idea of Sirius's killer owning his home inheriting his house not that Sirius cared about that house but there are definite other problems with Bellatrix being in that house which is what Dumbledore points out because he's just like yeah we don't want her to have it either and at this point until they know for sure that Harry is the rightful owner she could arrive there at any moment so they were like peace out yo because that's Dumbledore's (laughs) lingo right little throwback there you know I'm realizing now we don't get any of this we don't know that Harry inherits the house. We no. don't know that Harry gets creature. We don't know that Harry rightfully is the owner of Grimmauld Place, is the owner, not that I think you should be able to own a creature, but, you know, well, I own my dogs. But, you know, like a sentient being like that. You being, don't own your dogs, though. They own us, but, you, you protect know. them. You care for That's them. That's true. You don't own them. That's true. But, I, you know, Harry owns creature technically according to house elf law stuff yeah. which is gross but you know we don't get any of this in the movie and no, that's not very even a little bit disappointing and confusing especially, especially when you get into the seventh book yeah and you're like why are they back at this house why is he ordering creature around yeah like why is creature listening to him yeah. if you pay attention yeah so it's 
it's a little confusing. Yeah. We get it in the books, though. We do. So Harry wants to know how they're going to find out if he is allowed to own it. And this is when Dumbledore brings up Creature because he's like, well, there's a very simple test. But before he can call for Creature to administer this test and find out, Vernon finds his voice again and starts shouting for him to get the glasses off of them. (laughs) And I love this moment, too. Everything that comes out of Dumbledore's mouth is so amazing in this scene. Because he just says, oh, I'm sorry. And he used magic again to just make the glasses vanish. But he can't leave it alone and also says, but it would have been better manners to drink it. (laughs) That's a really good line. And Vernon looks like he's ready to start screaming a long list of unpleasant retorts. Mostly because Dumbledore's not wrong. He's not wrong. However, there is something about Dumbledore that mostly silences him. He's only said a few things in quick bursts. Dumbledore could murder you with a flick of his wand. That's the problem. He could probably murder him with a look, let's be honest. True. No, that's McGonagall's job. Oh, that's true. But even though he looks like there's a hundred horrible things he wants to say, he just sits quietly back on the couch and doesn't say anything. So Dumbledore explains to Harry that with the house, he inherits Creature. He uses his wand to make Creature appear. And this poor house elf that looks like hell because nobody's been taking care of him he's supposed to take care of himself just like how winky wasn't taking care of herself right it's getting to that scenario with creature he's not taking care of himself because nobody's there with him nobody's cared for him though like they can take care of (laughs) which has only caused him to go around the bend even more that's like he's lost his mind at this point he gets a lot better when somebody is expressing care for him Literally, there hasn't been anybody in, in no. 20 plus years. Because Sirius was the closest thing he had and Sirius didn't care for him. Yeah, no, not at all. Petunia screams because she's never had anything that dirty in her sitting room. LOL. <laughs> Vernon literally yells, what the hell is that? I mean, shook. If yeah. you're a muggle and this shit shows up in your living room, I get it. I would be like, ah, what is it? You right? know, like what? But he says hell. Like, it is in the book. He says hell. Yeah, he does. This is one of the only curse words that's in the book. Yeah. And Mr. Weasley says damn at some point. Creature is just screaming over and over again. Creature won't. Creature won't. Creature won't. There's some consent stuff in here. Yeah. He's also insisting that he belongs to Miss Bellatrix and the Blacks, and he doesn't want to go with the Potter brat. Which I don't know why he would he showed you that he's a brat? But okay. Yeah, sure. I love this, too, because Dumbledore's like, as you can see, Creature's a little reluctant to pass into your ownership. A little reluctant? Creature, shut up! That's essentially where Harry ends up. He's like, I don't want him. I don't care. And Dumbledore says, would you rather that he went on to live with Bellatrix Lestrange after living with the Order of the Phoenix for a year? And Harry's just like, oh, yeah, that's right. So Dumbledore says, okay, just give him an order. See if he has to follow it. And that's all Harry can think to say. It's creature, shut up. And he says this, and it immediately silences the elf. Not only does he stop talking, he physically can't make sound. And he just throws himself on the ground in what they describe as a violent, but otherwise silent. It rhymes. Violent, but otherwise silent. Tantrum. Which is sad. It is sad. But I'm thinking about how Dobby kind of went against his 
Masters, he just had to punish himself. Mm-hmm. I think Harry has, he says something about that at some point about how Creature could do X, Y, Z and just punish himself later. Yeah. And I'm thinking about how Dumbledore just said he could go spill all our secrets. How do we know he hasn't? Well, Dobby was able to give hints. He wasn't able to flat out He wasn't out able to things. flat out tell, but yeah. I mean. Because remember, Harry, does Voldemort have a brother? <laughs> yeah. Dumb. But Dumbledore's relieved because now it's very clear that Harry's the rightful owner of both the house and creature. It'd be like that, yeah. And Harry's just wondering if he has to keep the elf with him. Harry, use your brain, sir. My goodness. He's not a Ravenclaw. He's not. Dumbledore says, I was thinking about this. How about you send him to Hogwarts to work in the kitchen with the other house elves and then they can keep an eye on him? Which is a good solution. So Harry's just like, yeah, let's do that. Creature, go to Hogwarts. Work in the kitchen with the other house elves. And Creature gives him a look of loathing, but vanishes with a crack, as the house elves tend to do. So I know that he's probably looking at Harry in a loathing manner because it's Harry giving him the order. However, all of the house elves at Hogwarts talk about how much they love work. And I assume Creature is the same way. You getting to go work at a pretty nice place. Oh, yeah. He obviously comes around. He does. Yeah. He does. This is really interesting to me because the next matter that Dumbledore brings up is Buckbeak. No. And he tells Harry that he's been staying with Hagrid since Sirius died, but he belongs to Harry now so he can make other arrangements for him. But y'all and stole him. I know. I was just like, I don't really see how he was actually serious. Like they literally, and I know that it saved Buckbeak's life, but they were runaways together. Yeah. Sweet peas. It's not like he was really, truly Sirius's hippogriff. And I know that they lived together for a couple of years. But you think Sirius and him cuddled up in that cave and Sirius was a puppy dog? Absolutely. (laughs) I need a picture of that. Yeah, somebody draws Sirius as his dog self. I'm going to make Len do it. Yeah, make Len do it. Yeah. It's cute. But yeah, so I don't fully understand how that works. He doesn't belong to anybody. No. What the hell are you talking about? Hagrid got him out of the forest. He didn't even belong to Hagrid. I thought Hagrid bred them. No, he breeds the Thestrals. I just assumed he bred most of the animals they owned. I mean, I bred hippogriffs in my game. So we keep saying bread, and now I want a sandwich. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Harry says that Buckbeak can stay with Hagrid. It's a good plan. Right. I mean, that makes the most sense to me because I still think of him as Hagrid's as far as. He needs somebody to take care of him, right. probably. So, yeah. And he's going to be far happier being back in the Forbidden yeah, he likes Forest. Hagrid too. And he loves Hagrid. And Hagrid loves him. Dumbledore says he'll be delighted. And at this point, he also mentions that they renamed him Wither Wings to protect him. That's our trivia question. Yep. But nobody really is going to question it. I love that. And Dumbledore does specifically mention that nobody's really going to question that. Nobody's going to remember him as being the wanted hippogriff. You know what? I think he's wrong. I think Malfoy would absolutely remember. Hey, that's that chicken. (laughs) That bloody chicken. I feel like he'd say that about any hippogriff that he saw. He'd just blame all of them. I bet he's hype scared of hippogriffs now. Oh, definitely. Self-inflicted. Oh my God, I need to stuffed hippogriff and put it on his bed. That is like absolutely the perfect definition of fuck around and find out. That is 100%. Yes, yep. you don't pay attention in class. This is what happens. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to your teachers, kids. He then wants to know if Harry's all packed and Harry just sort of stands there, doesn't say anything. He has a little bit of that Dursley silence for a moment, which makes Dumbledore realize 
that he did not pack. And he says, oh, were you doubtful I would turn up? Oh. And Harry's like, I'll just go finish off now. Like, he even really started. That trunk is empty. He manages to get everything packed up in about 10 minutes, a little over. Most of it was just trying to track everything down and make sure he has it. He's literally just haphazardly throwing everything into the trunk as fast as he can. He's going to regret that later. Yeah. And then once he finishes, he's got his trunk in one hand and Hedwig's cage in the other, and he's just going down the stairs. I imagine it's like thump, thump, thump down the stairs, which would alert Dumbledore of his return. So Harry's hoping that he's going to be waiting by the door for him. No, no, absolutely not. No, he is definitely still in the sitting room where they are all sitting in silence, aside from Dumbledore humming to himself, which I love because we do know that the author, part of the reason why she named him Dumbledore is because it means bumblebee. And she just sort of imagined him like humming everywhere he went, like a buzzing bee, just mm, a busy buzzing bee. I didn't know that. I like yeah, that. So I mean, I, I knew it meant bumblebee. Yeah, but Yeah, I just love the fact that he's sitting there apparently at ease. Humming to himself. Definitely a bumble. He like bonk, bonk, bonk into things. That's hilarious. Yes. And Harry says, all right, I'm ready. And Dumbledore responds, good, but then turns back to the Dursleys for one more thing. A polite ripping into. A very polite ripping into. First, he brings up the fact that Harry is coming of age in a year. No, he's not. And this is the first time that Petunia's spoken at all. It's really interesting. Yeah. I'm telling you, she cares about Harry. She knows how old he is. Like, if you didn't care about him, you wouldn't know how old he is. Right. Even if it's related to your own child. I do think that there's something inside of her and it's just super suppressed. But like you said, she contradicts him, says that Harry is a year younger than Dudley, who doesn't turn 18 until the year after next. So Dumbledore explains that they come of age at 17 in the Wizarding World, which gets a preposterous from Vernon. He's like, that's stupid. And... He reminds them that that wizard called Lord Voldemort has returned, which has put the wizarding community in a state of open warfare and puts Harry in even more danger now than he was the day that he left him on their doorstep as a baby with a letter. I would say a lot more danger because they thought Voldemort was gone. Greater danger. A funny way to word that, but yeah. He says greater danger now. Yeah. Much greater danger. Yeah. But he mentions that in the letter, he explained about the murder of Harry's parents and expressed the hope that they would care for Harry as though he was their own. I think we can all say we're glad that they didn't. Right. But I get where he's coming from. Yeah. And this is that polite ripping into because it specifically says that his voice remains calm. It does not change. Did you put your name in the of fire? Yeah. But even though he's talking very calmly, a chill starts to emanate from him, actually changes the temperature in the room. Like, that's just fucking power right there. But all he says is, you did not do what I asked. You never treated Harry as a son. He has only known neglect and cruelty at your hands. The best that can be said as he's escaped the appalling damage you inflicted on the unfortunate boy sitting between you. And Vernon and Petunia look at each other and down at Dudley. Our perfectly perfect Dudders. Yeah, and that's when Vernon says, us mistreat Dudders? And Dumbledore silences him just by raising a finger. Uh, uh, uh. 
He then goes on to tell them that the magic he evoked 15 years ago that protected Harry while he could still call their house a home would cease to work the moment he turns 17, the moment he comes of age. And all he asks is that they allow him to return to the house one more time before then to ensure the protection lasts up until then. Because if he leaves and never comes back, it breaks sooner. This at least buys him another year of the protection. None of the Dursleys say anything, so I guess Dumbledore just takes that as consent. Oh, no. No, sir. I don't know if they're just too scared to say, no, he can't come back, or if it's just a given that he can come back. Yeah, I mean, they took him in. They took him in, reluctantly, but they kept him. They semi-cared for him. I think that that moment in five when Petunia's like, he has to stay. Yeah. I feel like that's like the only time she's ever stood up to Vernon. And maybe there was another time when Harry showed up on their doorstep and she was like, we have to do this. Yeah. Maybe they feel like it's a redeeming quality for them. Look how good we are. We took in this shitty kid. And it is entirely possible that even though they don't speak, there's like a nod from Petunia or something. Probably. I I hope so. Yeah. I don't think Dumbledore would have left if he didn't feel like they wouldn't have accepted him back, though. But he feels comfortable with the situation that they're going to let him come back. And he stands and tells Harry that it's time they go. He says farewell to the Dursleys. Harry just kind of mumbles a goodbye and then follows Dumbledore to the door, which is where he left his trunk and Hedwig. And Dumbledore pulls out his wand one more time so that he can just send the luggage and the owl to the burrow so they don't have to drag it with them wherever they go. But tells Harry, just keep your invisibility cloak with you just in case. Harry already regrets his hasty packing because he has to try and pull the invisibility cloak out without Dumbledore noticing how messy it is inside the trunk. A mess. Which I'm sure Dumbledore already knew, but that's okay. He gets the cloak out, stuffs it in his pocket, and Dumbledore waves his wand. The trunk cage and Hedwig all disappear. And then in his very formal, dramatic way of speaking and writing, he concludes the chapter with, Opening the door, it's misty and dark because Dementor jizz. Mm, fun. And bids Harry to step into the night so they may pursue that flighty temptress adventure. End chapter. As it would have it, absolutely none of this happens in the movie. LOL, color me shocked. I would imagine that would make you some kind of pink color. I always think green. Hmm. Well, anyways, we see Harry in the effing underground as he goes down the stairs to meet up with Dumble. So, like, again, my question from last week's episode stands, how did you get to London to go to the underground? But whatever. Max, tell me if Surrey is close enough that Harry can just take a bus and go to London. I guess he could have taken the night bus. Who's running the night bus? Stan's in jail. <laughs> I mean, Ernie's still there, but... Ernie's driving it, but I don't know. I don't know. Dumble has a few words about how Harry's been reckless this summer, and Harry says something silly like, I like trains. Boy, bye. (laughs) I mean, I could see how that could keep his mind off things, but it's still, like we were saying earlier, it's illogical. Also, Harry was a lot more reckless last summer when he was just walking around freebie-deebie. I mean, that is what he's doing. He is. And the waitress implies, like, 
he's there multiple times yeah she, she mentions sees him every night or whatever seeing that picture before kind of makes me wonder if it's the trains he likes or if it's the girl and he was going back there on purpose maybe, he knew her maybe. work schedule yeah weirdo Harry does note that Dumble's hand is black and like a damn Cajun catfish. And Dumble says, he knows it's unpleasant, but they had places to be, so peace out, yo. Albus Dumbledore. And he holds out his arm for Harry. And they pursue that flighty temptress adventure. adventure. And that's literally it. That's it, yeah, that one, that's short. You just see Harry meet up with Dumble and have a few weird words exchanged about how Harry's been reckless, even though he wasn't. He stayed in his room all summer, but okay. And absolutely no reference at all, not even just to the Dursleys, but to Dumbledore finally confronting them. Yeah, that, or, or, reminding us that Sirius is dead. There's that, too. I mean, we get a little bit of a reminder of that in the movie because Bellatrix voiceover screams it and laughs. But we don't get anything that Harry gets any sort of anything from Sirius. Yeah, we don't know about him inheriting the house. We don't know about him owning Creature. We don't know about... Buckbeak going to live with Hagrid again. but And being renamed Witherwings. They don't even have Buckbeak be in the house, though. Um, oh, in yeah. five, so Buckbeak. you don't even really know. Buckbeak fucked off a long time ago. He's now fuck off beak. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. I don't think that's what I meant to say, but whatever. Fuck off beak. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But I'm most concerned about that moment where Dumbledore finally confronts the Dursleys because it's a little late. Absolutely. And I'm also kind of wondering if it was too little too late. Personally, I think so. I think that the minute they put that poor, sweet little boy's crib under the stairs, why the fuck didn't McGonagall go and get him? Yeah, he got the letter that addressed it to to the the cupboard cupboard under under the the stairs, stairs. And then they were like, oh, shit. And I felt like he was doing little things here and there very subtly to be like, hey, I'm watching you. But he never stepped in and was just like, dude. Stop being shitty. You guys are satchels of assholes to this child and your own child, but in a completely different way, get your shit together. Also, I just have a small problem with Harry's muggle teachers. How did you not call defects? Right. Or whatever the British equivalent of that is. Yeah, taped glasses, clothes too big. I mean, I guess it's not really defects worthy because there are kids that are being like physically abused, which Harry was definitely probably not malnourished but he definitely wasn't fed the best no but i guess that they never put hands on him they did in the movie they did in the movie but in the books i guess they did but as a teacher i would have been concerned yeah absolutely like here harry here's some of my son's old clothes that you can have that should fit you a little better than your huge cousin's clothes because it doesn't matter regardless of dudley's size like He was already taller than Harry, I'm pretty sure, and he's older than him. So all the stuff that they're taking is dirty, gross looking like I don't I don't understand. So personally, and it's not like Dudley strikes me as a kid that takes super good care of his stuff. No, sitting on his pellet gun. (laughs) But I do think Dumbledore's effort in this moment is a little too late. But I also think it kind of wakes Petunia up a little bit. It was a beautiful moment. I'm so upset we didn't get it in the of movie. Of course we didn't get it in the movie because it was a beautiful moment. But 
I do think it was a little bit late. And at least we did have the members from the order say something to him. Oh, they did do that. But, but at that like point, that was only time. like two weeks earlier. Yeah, it's yeah. Like the same time. So it barely changes anything. And I think it's interesting. So that's going to be our pondering. We want to know, why do you think Dumbledore decided to finally confront the Dursleys about how they treated Harry? Why did it take him this long? What do you think made him put it off? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget you can also stitch your response on TikTok or you can just leave it as a comment and I'll read it and put it in the episode for you. Just try to get it to us by Tuesday before the episode goes up. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. This week's Wizarding Word is about Florida's new epic universe. This is part of Universal. It is the third land that will be devoted to the wizarding world of Harry Potter. However, it has a catch. Like catching a snitch. Indeed. So this is an addition to the Universal Orlando Resort. This is what they're calling the Southern Campus or the South District. So the original Universal Orlando North Campus is about 735 acres. And the newly acquired South District is approximately 750 acres. That's a lot of land. Yeah. So they are working on rebuilding the main road. Now, we were confused about what this is. So we did a lot of research. And so this looks like they are building a Disney World-esque place with a bunch of different areas where you are sunk into the world. So very much like when you go into Diagon Alley in the North Campus, what they're calling, in Universal Orlando, when you go into the North Campus and you go into Diagon Alley, that is what it's going to be like, but they are building a whole new park kind of dedicated to doing that. So in the article that Ellen found, there was some information about how there's going to be a How to Train Your Dragon world, which I am super excited about. I love that movie. It's like How to Train Your Dragon-esque. I don't know if it's specifically about the movie. I hope so. It's a universal movie. Well, it's DreamWorks. We're finding some contradicting information. The article that I found called it specifically devoted to the wizarding world of Harry Potter, but the one Carly found makes it sound like it's not going to be just Harry Potter world. So it'll be really interesting to watch as more of this unfolds. So this article was written on September 14th of this year, which is 2023 if you're listening in the future. But this says this was the approach pioneered by Universal for the wizarding world of Harry Potter, Diagon Alley. So this is what they initially intended for Diagon Alley to be. It's supposed to be that sinks you in like how when you go to Disney, when you go into Animal Kingdom and you go into Pandora, how you're literally in Pandora or Galaxy's Edge. When you go into yeah. Star Wars, you're like there, you're on Tatooine and it's like, oh my God, it's just how it is. So that's kind of what they want this to be. The article Ellen found was said that it was the death to Disney or something like that. I don't think that that's true. I but... don't think so either. I feel like that's pretty optimistic. Granted, if you go on vacation in Orlando and intend to go to both parks, that's like, how many parks is that total now at this point? It's yeah, expensive. it's a lot. And this one is far away. 
This is about 15 minutes south of the main park. So they seem to be leading towards kind of a Disney World, Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, Epcot dealio. Here's hoping there's a shuttle system. So if they do want to compete with Disney, I would say, yes, you absolutely have to have a bus. bus system. I think that they already have bus systems in place at Universal because they have where you can go from their resorts to the actual park. But this scenario is going to be very interesting to watch play out. It's yeah. supposed to open in summer of 2025. Yeah, and we'll keep this as a wizarding word as we get more information as well. Yeah, so we'll keep you guys updated for sure. This week's trivia question is, what is Dumbledore's favorite flavor of jam? The first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word, hashtag security measure, will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes. If you don't have an Apple account, then you can write us a recommendation on our Facebook page. Make sure to email us at foxsakepod at gmail.com and let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at foxsakepod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at forfoxsakepodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to become a patron, you can find us on Patreon at Fox Sake Pod. Patronage starts at $2 and will get you some awesome perks like For Fox Sake swag, access to our Discord channel, chats, and more. Check out our page for the details. Any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 4, Horace Slughorn and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. Hope you hear us again. I'm Carly. I'm Ellen. And we are... For, for Fox, Fox Sake. sake.